With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to First Mover, presented by Underdog Fantasy. We're here. We're about to hop into Week 18. We did it. The longest season in NFL history is almost over. I'm Josh Larkey, the Director of Analytics at PlayerProfiler.com, and you can find me on Twitter at JLarkeyTweets. And as some of you may have heard because this is the final episode of the season. I have a special guest who I think most of you, if not all of you, have probably heard of or listened to for, I don't know, dozens if not hundreds of hours via podcasting. My mentor, the reason that I am in this position today, you can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. It's the podfather, Matt Kelly. Matt, how are you doing? Let's move. Let's do. We're the first to move. Let's move. <laughs> Let's do it. We've got the, 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 I don't know if that was the, some type of robot. It's, it's, it's good to be here. I just love making that sound. The today's show name is going to be <laughs> uh, player first name, player last name, robot sounds or something like that. Sure. So, <laughs> before we dive in. So just so everyone knows the introduction today, we're going to be discussing the NFL playoffs because your fantasy championships are most likely decided by now. I have a feeling if most of you, if you're in the the title game right now, it does not come down to Steelers-Browns. There's probably not too much action in this game for the most part. So before we dive into the real NFL standings talk, remember we are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy, promo code UNDERWORLD. Check out that NFL playoff best ball. You might even get some nuggets to help you understand which teams are going to make the playoffs because Matt and I are going to be talking about which teams are probably going to make the playoffs, what their range of outcomes is in terms of one through seven seed. Make sure to hop into the gauntlet, $25 or the big mitten for $250. You can play some NFL playoff best ball. I am in so many of these gauntlet drafts and they take 10 minutes. They fill up almost instantly. It's a great way to pass the time. Put put a little uh, stake into the NFL playoffs. Promo code UNDERWORLD. Put in up to $100 as a new user. And you get back however much you put in. You put in 50, you now have 100. You put in up to 100, wow, you now have 200. So, sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Great deal. Now, we're going to dive into some NFL standings talk. We are... 
Now, nearly one week away from the NFL playoffs. I know we actually have some some potential playoff implications tonight with Browns, Steelers. Browns out of it, Steelers clinging to a, a hope and a prayer. Uh, wh- what are you thinking right now about the, the Eagles and Steelers? Because I know that Anand, he, he made a little tweet. He took the L on the Eagles and said, you know what? The Eagles have snuck in. I, I still don't think the Steelers are going to make it. Do you, what do you think at this point? Because they're going to need what? 4% probability of making it. So a lot of teams have to lose for them to make it in. And it's not going to happen. It, no one should be surprised. With this quarterback, what are you, you going to do? And we thought the defense was going to be good. It's not. Right? The, the whole core of the defense has crumbled as well. They have you know some nice perimeter defenders, edge rusher, TJ Watt. Eh. Right? I expect them to lose to the Browns tonight. Yeah, I, I kind of think that's how it's going to go. And speaking of underdog, actually, the way that I'm playing this game tonight, I took the Mayfield pass yards under, correlated it with the Chubb rush yards over. Chubb is just going to run all over the Steelers. I even took that before I knew Hunt was inactive. Chubb's going to run Oof. all over them. And then I took the Big Ben and Deontay passing and receiving yards over. I think it's going to be just this... It's going to be desperate. Big Ben is playing for his... I think this is definitely his last season. He's going to try and go out with a bang. So I think it's just going to be this pretty crazy pass attack where Big Ben puts the team on his shoulders and cannot get it done. Right. We're almost there. (laughs) I'm thinking maybe a heartbreaking interception on a final drive. Maybe more likely heartbreaking strip sack. Yeah, it's probably going to be that. Or I think it's more it's it's more likely a heartbreaking strip sack. Yeah. Or that's you you could see that where he's just struggling and it's oh and they're dragging him down you're like was that a horse collar? Doesn't really matter. He's just put take him out of there. Just it's uh merciful at this point just to get him out of there. Yeah, I think that's what I And then the question is if they lose does he play next week? Wow. Oh, that's a good point. Why why not? It'd be a it'd be a pride thing for him at that point. I've... Why I think he would. He'd want to go out you know, on the football field, not on the sideline. Yeah, so I just looked because I know today's the home game. So next week he'd be at Baltimore. So yeah, maybe he wants to give that rivalry one last go. But this this will actually be his his final game as a as a Steeler at home. So uh, oh man, wow, what a that, what, 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 what a career! <laughs> a loss to the Browns yeah. because your defense can't stop anybody's run game would be. I, very unstealers for him just to sort of you know crumble away and the reason they lose is actually the defense unable to stop chubb that would just be a weird weird ending to a stealer career yeah it's going to be the, the steelers unable to stop chubb 50 roethlisberger dropbacks a few sacks he's going to have 250 passing yards on five yards per attempt yes and yes it's so unstealers man this is supposed to be a vertical passing attack Playmaking defense and neither. No, it's not. Now, we're actually, before we get into the AFC and we dunk on the Steelers again, we're going to give all you Steelers fans out there, breathe a sigh of relief. We're going to go through the NFC first, then we'll hit up the AFC and once again discuss the Steelers and other teams' range of outcomes. So, 4% win probability to get the playoffs. Yeah, it's not good. No. No, that's... 4%. In case people are wondering, you're like, oh, Big Ben's played a while. 4% is a 1 in 25 chance. Big Ben has not even played 25 years in the NFL. 
So that's how <laughs> improbable this that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I love that. All right, oh, NFC. Man. So currently here's the seeding, because remember we have the new seven seeds in each conference. Basically, the way it works is the one seed gets a bye, and then you're gonna have the two and the seven play, the three and the six, and the four and the five play. Basically, higher seeds get home field advantage. Fairly straightforward. In the NFC, right now, we have Packers at the one seed. That is locked up. The Packers have nothing to play for. I think Jordan Love's probably going to play in Week 18. Let Rodgers rest the toe. So, out of the question, one seed, we don't need to worry about it. Now, as it stands, two through seven, and these are all extremely variable, and we'll get into them in a minute. Rams, two. Bucks, three. Cowboys, four. Cardinals, five. 49ers, six. Eagles, seven. And I will note, the Eagles have clinched a playoff spot. The 49ers, currently with the sixth seed, have not clinched a playoff spot. So it's actually kind of a fascinating dynamic. Now, Matt, what what are you thinking right now? We're looking at these matchups. Out of all these teams, what, what are, which teams do you kind of expect to be shuffling in, within this? So we know that the, the Packers are the one seed, and then... I mean, from there, the range of outcomes is pretty crazy. So if well, the the Saints are favored by four and a half, and the 49ers are five point underdogs. Yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. That the the 49ers fans might be excited. Wow, we currently have the sixth seed. Right. The problem is, but- yes, the the Niners and the Eagles have the same record, and the Niners have the tiebreaker over the Eagles. Here's the problem. The Eagles, they've already locked up the spot, and the Saints have that tiebreaker over the Niners. I do believe the Saints, even on the road, they're probably beating the Falcons. Taysom Hill's competent enough. And what are we going to have? Either injured Jimmy G or third career start Trey Lance against what's still kind of a juggernaut in the Rams. I I don't think... The Rams want that, that home field advantage, you know, for everyone but the Packers, don't they? Yeah, I think that I think what's interesting actually about the Rams and the Cardinals is if we if we're looking at the range of outcomes area of our show sheet, we've got it all layered, we got it all written out. So here you go. Green Bay, they have the one seed. What's interesting though is the Rams and Cardinals, because of how strong the Cardinals have been against pretty much every other opponent in the NFC, all the all the really good teams. The Cardinals basically have tiebreakers over the Rams, the Buccaneers, and the Cowboys. Is that, yes, the the Cardinals are currently the five seed. They can't go any lower. They could go as high as the two seed. Rams are the same way. They're somewhere between two and five. So I actually think the the late afternoon games for DFS are going to be fascinating because these teams have so much to play for. They're all playing at the same time. The Cardinals, the Buccaneers... The Niners, the Rams, all playing in that late time slot. Yeah, all all else equal. Like if everyone was, uh, you know, uh, projected to tie everybody this week, right? Everyone is playing at home. Everyone's the favorite. However you want to think about it. The Saints are have a 35% probability of making the playoffs. Cardinals, uh, 49ers are 65%. 
Mahomes. That's all else equal. When you factor in the fact that the 49ers are dogs and the Saints are favorites, it gets to about equal. So that's what's exciting is that both conferences have this one final playoff spot that's up for grabs, literally up for grabs in the NFC and also in the AFC where, fortunately, the Chargers and Raiders play each other. We don't have to worry about all these machinations of tiebreaker, who has the better record against common opponents. Mm-hmm. Forget it. Just whoever wins, wins. Yeah, so if we if we just assume that everyone that's favored is winning, what's really interesting is, like Matt mentioned, the Niners are at the Rams. That's a tough matchup. They probably lose. And then if the Saints, who are favored against Atlanta, win, the Saints sneak into the seventh seed. The 49ers are no longer the sixth seed. They are out of the playoffs. And then the Eagles move from the seven to the sixth seed. So it's kind of interesting, actually. The Eagles really have almost nothing to play for. And I think it's funny because the Cowboys almost have nothing to play for. The, the Cowboys are basically playing for a very slim chance at home field advantage later on right. because they're going to have right. home field advantage no matter what the first uh, first week of the playoffs because they, they locked up the division. However, Dallas, because they've lost to teams like the Cardinals, the Buccaneers in week one, uh, basically the, the Cowboys are either the three or the four seed. So they're going to get home field advantage the first week. They're probably... I mean, it's really hard to see some of these. I guess the Rams or Cardinals five seed team could end up knocking off the four seed. So I guess like if Cowboys play the Cardinals or the Rams, the Cowboys could lose then, but then it doesn't even matter if they were the three or the four. So it's interesting that the Cowboys have very little to play for and the Eagles have very little to play for as well. They've both locked it up. Uh, Jerry Jones insists though that they're going to play their starters the full game. Yeah, I don't... I don't huh. What? They're not going to. He's a liar. <laughs> He's it's, a professional liar. It's the same with the... He's one of the best at it. I'm like, lie to me, Jerry. Lie to me. I love it. Uh, please, the way you're saying this, the way you're constructing these sentences, the accent, please lie to me, Jerry. Yeah, same with the Eagles. I don't know what's... They don't have much to play for. They're either the six or the seven. Maybe seed. a home field in a certain scenario. No way that's worth no, it. No, no. It's definitely not worth because it. Because if they're the six seed and they did win and it all worked out, that means the Saints are the seven seed. Tough sell that Taysom Hill is knocking off the one of these juggernaut teams. So the Eagles have little to play for. I actually think it's nice. We don't have that on the main slate. The Cowboys-Eagles game, I think that actually is in many ways the most ambiguous matchup of the entire weekend in terms of how much the starters are going to play. So I think that we were kind of helped that we don't have to worry about that. And that it's just... Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah that's off the main slate. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's their intention. I think their intention is to showcase this game because it's Cowboys-Eagles and they're two big market teams. But... For us fantasy gamers, especially DFS grinders that want a little more certainty in these matchups, it's like, thank God. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. So just to close out um, NFC in terms of a a couple ways this could work. So the two seed, basically, uh, it's going to be Tampa Bay, the Rams, or the Cardinals. That's kind of the important one that's super up for grabs. The two seed, because then you're basically getting a lot of home field advantage. Essentially, if the Rams win, they get it. 
If Tampa Bay wins and the Rams lose, Tampa Bay's the two. And then Arizona can sneak in from five all the way up to two if both the Rams and Buccaneers lose and Arizona wins. The thing is, the Buccaneers play the the Panthers, so I don't think there's all that much hope for the Cardinals to sneak the two. Yeah, at home. At home. Mm-hmm. It is weird, though. It's a strange line. Do you see the line? The over-under on the game, game total is just 42.5, and, and the Buccaneers are merely eight-point favorites. Interesting. I wonder if that means that... What? I don't know if that's a reaction to Antonio Brown or... Maybe that the, as if the Buccaneers don't have much to play for when I feel like the Buccaneers have a lot to play for considering that the one team ahead of them, the Rams, the current two seed, yeah, they're at home, but they play the Niners. That that is, for both those teams, that is the toughest matchup on the board. Trey Lance looked great in the second half too. Mm -hmm. Like he was making these timing throws to the outside. He was looking off defenders and then whipping it over to Brandon Ayuk. They have the best yak receiving core in the league. If Trey Lance plays well, like if we knew Trey Lance is going to have a good game, then I think the 49ers would be the favorites. But there's still that up in the air where he had a good half, but not a good full game. He's still a rookie with very little experience, very raw coming out of college. We don't know. But when you're throwing it mostly to these yak receivers within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, there's not a lot that can go wrong if you can keep the ball in that area. Yeah, so I'm pulling. But he has such a strong arm that, like, also on the on the on the exterior of the perimeter on these out routes, if he could just stick the ball into those areas and in the middle of the field, then it, it limits the mistakes, takes advantage of what these players do best. Yeah, I think it's interesting because with the Rams, it's kind of been a tale of two halves. Where the first half of the season, I thought they were a top three team in the NFL, and it's because Matthew Stafford did look like this massive upgrade over Jared Goff. So I just quickly pulled the stats. So the the first eight games of the season, Matthew Stafford, as you know, he was dynamite, maybe the best quarterback in the NFL. Then from the Titans game onward, so the Titans game is where he threw those two interceptions. And in LA, they lost to the Titans. And that kind of blew everyone's mind. Stafford finally looked terrible. And it was kind of like the, the first, maybe there's some uh, chips in the armor. So the past eight games, which is a full half season, Stafford has 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He's averaging only 7.3 yards per attempt, which is like kind of below league average. So the completion percentage is... That's not to our territory, but geez. Yeah, so it's it's pretty bad. So I, I, I really think that this rests on kind of the quarterbacks in this one. It's two pretty solid defenses all around. Will right. Stafford have the bounce back? I mean, the the guy has thrown five interceptions his past two games against the Vikings and the Ravens, who are, I think, both worse defenses right now than the Niners. It's kind of crazy what Stafford's done. So you have Lance comes on strong. Rams could find themselves the five seed. Wow, right? I mean, that's exciting. Because the the Cardinals, I, I want to see the 49ers. You want you don't no one wants to see the Saints, right? Of course, like we should be. We're all rooting for <laughs> the 49ers. The problem is that Dante Johnson and Quan Williams both went on the COVID list. Now they could get off it with the new protocols. They could come off in time for the Week 18 game. But there's a chance that the 49ers are down one or more starting corners. Mm-hmm. 
at that point, I mean, then <laughs> they're basically playing the Ravens. Well, I was going to say, the thing and, is Stafford struggled And Stafford's against... still a, an unknown quantity. We still have no idea what he's going to do. Yeah, they were like... like he, it's crazy. Yeah, they, I remember I was listening to the broadcast, and they're like, wow, Stafford's really struggling against this Baltimore defense. But remember, they're getting healthier. They got Jimmy Smith back. And I was like, really? This is why Stafford is crumbling? Because... One of their four starters returned or whatever. It's it's pretty embarrassing that that's the type of excuse that you have to make at this point for Stafford when he's surrounded with Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham, and Van Jefferson. The guy has weaponry. So I'm Well, they they'll, they'll, they'll correlate it to the Odell Beckham Jr. arriving in LA. Oh yeah, yeah. Re- record with and record without her. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Look at the splits, Josh. Come on. Mm-hmm. It's obviously Beckham's fault. Definitely his fault. Should definitely play at Beckham and DFS out of spite. We'll get to that in a little bit. Do you have any closing thoughts on the NFC before we we turn to the AFC, which we haven't even talked about the AFC yet? So the AFC, there's more up in the air. We'll just How long is this show gonna go? This is we're scheduled for four hours, so we'll we'll see how Jeez. this goes. So in the AFC, currently the playoff picture, the one seed is the Titans, which I mean if you told me before the season that Julio Jones would basically be AJ Green from last year and Derrick Henry would get hurt halfway through the season and Tannehill would take a major step back, I would tell you the Titans are missing the playoffs. Right. They're currently the one seed. That is the year that we're in. Titans one, Chiefs two. That's I think that's actually the other crazy thing is if you told me that Mahomes was fully healthy for every single game, and the mm. biggest injury the Chiefs had in many ways was the running back, which doesn't matter that much. Yet the Titans, who lost all their their key pieces on offense, and A.J. Brown's had a down year and had injuries. Tannehill's down year. Crazy the Chiefs have not, uh, that they're not the one seed. So Titans one, Chiefs two, Bengals three, Bills four, Patriots five, Colts six, Chargers hanging on by a thread at seven. There is a ton up in the air. What are, you, what are your first thoughts when you look at these standings, kind of knowing what what games are to come in week 18? That the Titans fans should not feel overly confident. Like, just go win the game, right? Go win the game. We've seen this time and time again. All these home dogs that are getting 10-plus points are winning or covering. Right at the very least, but a lot of them are winning. Houston just did it a couple weeks ago, and then the Jets easily covered at New York against the Buccaneers. And then following that same rule is if a home dog's getting ten or more points, this is that game. What's f- and if you told me that the Texans beat the Titans, I wouldn't be surprised. I would. I wouldn't. Well, neither would the I. Texans what- have an underrated defense, and Davis Mills is playing pretty good. Especially when he's targeting Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is awesome. Brandon Cooks is like that kid in, in the AAU team that's getting beat by 40 points, but he's playing awesome, right? And everyone gives him like a standing ovation. Even though his team's losing by 40, he's like that one guy that the scouts are here watching. Mm-hmm. He feels a little bit, especially in like Dynasty, Cooks feels kind of like Keenan Allen. Like the like a sexier Keenan Allen, but on a much worse team, where everyone's like, "Oh, like the he's getting up there in age." I don't know. 
He doesn't historically the touchdowns haven't been there, and then every single season you look up and you go, oh, there's eleven hundred yards and eighty catches. Yep. So, and, and you can always get him rounds after Tyler Lockett, and he's going to give you the same production. They're the same age. They're similar players. They're comparable to one another. It's just that Tyler Lockett's the number two with a good quarterback, and Brandon Cooks is the number one with a below average quarterback. But because you can't say Davis Mills is bad. Yeah, he's actually he's been fine. I think it's the neck. He has just this wonderful uh, point of view when he scours the field with this. Yes, this, like, yes, he's played a lot better, like a lot better, <laughs> not just better, but a lot better than the first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And you could argue Trevor Lawrence has better receivers. Yeah, I don't think it's so. Riddle me that one, Josh. Yeah, it's not necessarily clear who's in the the better or worse situation. So actually, on your Titans point, would it surprise me? It would not because... No. So the, yes, the Titans should beat the Texans. However, it is, they should. It is in Houston. They, they will, man. They probably will. Well, but fans should not feel comfortable until at least the opening of the second half and they have a double-digit lead. Then you can feel comfortable. But you should not be comfortable until you the, 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 the score gets into the second half and, and and there's a comfortable lead. Otherwise, this game is 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 not assured. Especially when the Titans in Tennessee lost to the Texans earlier this year, twenty-two to thirteen. It's not a good look. So I think this is like this I is think a trap. the Titans will win. <laughs> they're ten-point favorites. They're probably going to win, and they're probably going to the one seed. It's just that I just wouldn't feel that comfortable, right? Like you talked about before, the Bills can feel comfortable. The Bills are going to absolutely crush this week. They're at home against the Jets or whoever it is. It's a home game, and they have like the weather advantage. You just know that it's going to be a, a, a demolition. Mm-hmm. Not so fast with the Titans. Yeah, the, the Titans, yes, Houston, they should probably beat them. However, I think that's one of the, the less gimme games. I'd actually, I'm more confident that the Chiefs just smash the Broncos on Saturday afternoon, mm, even though it's in gimme. Denver. That's a game. Oh, that's but it's, definitely I mean, gimme. remember, it's Drew Locke. I, I read reports this morning. Teddy Bridgewater is just not coming along with the concussion protocol. And they, they basically said this morning already, even though it's Monday, we expect Drew Locke to be our starter again, which, mm-hmm. it, which is basically just handing the Chiefs this victory on a silver platter. Drew Locke is just a well below average quarterback. I mean, I think there's a good conversation. Davis Mills or Drew Locke, Mills might be better. I think he is better. Well, the the, the Chiefs secondary is a sort of playmaking, chance-taking secondary. And that secondary can get abused by a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who can use his eyes to move guys around and can play fake and can pump fake. Drew Locke is the perfect quarterback for a defense like that. Yeah, because he can't take advantage of of aggression. He usually is the one getting crushed by the aggression. Yeah, with Drew Locke, the Broncos, they really want to run the ball. They want to control the clock. You can't really do that against Patrick Mahomes. You can't. He's just set up to get, I mean, in this particular case, that this isn't on the main slate is a bit of a shame because we we would love to play Mahomes. We'd love to even just play some Chiefs defense. Mm -hmm. It's always nice to have a defense like that in a smash spot against that quarterback but 
So Titans, they're probably going to win, keep the one seed. If the Titans lose and the Chiefs win, Chiefs get the, the one seed. If Tennessee and Kansas City lose, and then Cincinnati wins on the road against Cleveland, then Cincinnati's the one seed. Woo! And what's interesting is that Cleveland's out of the playoffs. I mean, I, I feel like we talked about them earlier in the season as like, man, this is this is a top five roster. The the Browns are stacked with depth. They have playmakers everywhere, basically except where it matters most. Quarterback, Baker Mayfield is just he's been okay. He hasn't been horrible, but he has definitely not been a talent elevator by any means. So I do think Cincinnati wins that game on the road at Cleveland. However, I do think that's kind of like the the 49ers Rams, where there is one game where it's a pretty decent opponent, and the, the Bengals need to win that game, considering that their range of outcomes is anywhere from the one to the four seed, which is a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, Vegas is telling us it's, it's Browns minus three. Yeah, I took the, the Browns are favorite. I took the the Bengals. I actually couldn't believe that line. I took that earlier this afternoon. I mean, this is what like, they're saying. If you're listening to this show, take the take the Bengals. They're playing for something. I mean, is that is that is that line just essentially a a prediction that the Bengals will rest their starters? I think what that's saying is that if it's a three point line, that's essentially Vegas saying the Bengals and Browns are just as good as each other. And we're giving the home team three points. I know, but we know that not to be true. Yeah, at this point, with the Bengals <sighs> skewing pass heavy these past few weeks, we've seen that this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And that uh, you can't really stop them. And we saw it yesterday with the Chiefs. Joe Burrow, once again, 400-plus passing yards, four passing touchdowns. So, yeah, Bengals, huge range of outcomes. And then finally, there is another team in play for the one seed. So... If someone, I mean, I, I with, with with the Bengals, with the Buffalo Bills, with the, the Patriots, it's certainly possible that Tennessee loses to Houston. It's not possible. It's just not. I mean, it is. Of course, it is. There's some probability, but it's so low that both Tennessee and Kansas City would lose. Yeah, I just can't. I mean, what? That's probably what? not going to happen. What? So th- I think that's what Vegas is saying. They're saying that the Bengals have to be running this probability that both of these two teams lose. And if if they don't get the one seed, then it, it probably isn't worth it to play your starters in the second half. I mean, what is better, getting like a, a half of rest or home field advantage in a very specific scenario? Well, I think what's interesting is that if it was kind of like the Cowboys where they're locked into three and four, I can understand that more. But I do think there is a big, there's a much bigger gap between two and four than three and four. And that, I guess I'm thinking about it. So the Chiefs probably beat the Broncos. And then at that point, they know that the Titans and Texans are playing. I guess, assuming the Chiefs beat the Broncos, they play at the same time as the Titans. I do... I guess, yeah, if the Titans are smashing the Texans, they probably, you know what? Maybe it's like once they have a 10, once the Titans hit a 10 point lead, maybe they pull Burrow. But I think that that's the, that's the, but I guess like if, and I think that's, that's why it's Browns minus three. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. So I think that's actually interesting. I hadn't considered that game theory perspective yet, but I guess 
I'm still going to play some Burrow and DFS, but it is interesting. I'll probably play a little less than the field as I'm thinking about it more because there are multiple avenues, especially, I guess, if I'm making my lineups early Sunday morning and I know that the Chiefs already won and that now the Bengals are already locked into the smaller and Burrow range of has outcomes. a sore knee. Mm-hmm. Burrow limped off the field. <laughs> Dude. If it were me, I sure as hell wouldn't be uh, playing Burrow, you know, assuming the Chiefs win. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even care about the Titans. I would just be like, listen, we're, you know, I want to make sure we get out of this game with Joe Burrow healthy. That is so much more important than, you know, whether we have the, you know, four or five seed. That's a good point. One other interesting scenario, if you thought it was radical... The Bengals with the one seed. There is one other team that can technically get it. It's the Patriots. The Patriots, though, not only do they need the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Bengals to lose, they also need Buffalo to lose. It's it's kind of weird. So right now, the 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 Bills, the Bills, if the season ended today, the Bills are the division winner from the AFC East. The Patriots right. would be the first wild card. However, because Buffalo is losing the tiebreaker to the Titans, that prevents them from ever sniffing the one seed. Yet, because the Patriots mm. have the tiebreaker over the Titans, the Patriots unlocked this ability to sniff the one seed from from my from my research. So it's very interesting that the Patriots do have this one seed potential opening. But let's be honest, the the Bills are. If there is any team we can, I think if there's a game we're most confident in, I assume it, we would both agree it is the Bills at home against the Jets. Yes. Because we just saw Josh yes. Allen implode against the Falcons. And what happened? They still beat him by two touchdowns. Crush. The, the Bills are such Although a good team. Although the Jets could have Elijah Moore back. They could. I Then that, that changes everything. Yeah, then then the Bills might only beat them by two touchdowns instead of <laughs> instead of three. So I like Elijah Moore. This is not this is not an anti Elijah Moore position. This is an anti Jets position. So, in terms of range of outcomes, just a, a few interesting ones before we dive into the the DFS slate. So the Titans one through four, the Bengals one through four, and the Chiefs one through four. The, the funniest one, though, is that the Patriots have a range of outcomes from the one to the six seed. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen that before on the final week of the season that a team could be anywhere from one down to six. That might be the first time ever, actually, in history. It wouldn't shock Probably me. six. Probably six. So they'll be, let's see. No, I think they'll be five, most likely. Because they're currently... Do they have the tiebreaker on the, on the they're Colts? They're currently five, yeah. The Colts are currently six. Oh, okay. Well, then they're okay. Then they'll be five. So the Colts have the tiebreaker over the Patriots, but the Patriots have one more win. Oh, oh, that I, I didn't realize. I saw. I thought they had the same record. The Patriots, though, it's not a total cakewalk. They play at Miami. So I mean, yeah, we we think they're probably going to win that game. So does Vegas. However, that's another one where, I mean, yeah, the Titans just completely smashed the Dolphins. But we've seen the Dolphins. Knock out some other decent opponents already this year. Dolphins beat the Patriots earlier week one. Yeah, they also they beat the Ravens, didn't they? On Thursday night football. Listen, it's it's not that's not a gimme game at all. No, it's not. It's in Miami because it's at Miami. But the the Colts going to the Jacksonville Jaguars that's that's a gimme. Yeah, so the Colts, even though they're in Jacksonville, I think 
what you, I don't know what Jacksonville's playing for. Colts are probably going to win that one. So before we get to the Colts, the last team is the Bills, another crazy range of outcomes. It seems like they could technically be anywhere from two all the way down to six. If I remember, if I, if I got that correctly, I believe yes, the Colts. But again, they're not going to lose. No, they're not going to lose. All right. So the, the Bills are most likely going to be the, the three or four seed. That's right. So there it is. And then the Colts, they can actually be anywhere from the five seed like they are currently to just being out of the playoffs. Basically, if the Colts lose and everybody else wins, they're in trouble. Chargers can be anywhere from the six to out. Steelers, six to out. Ravens are either the seventh seed or they're not in it. And then Vegas, if they win and a couple other teams lose, they are the sixth seed. So that, that I mean, wasn't it obvious in retrospect that the Titans and Colts would both make the playoffs considering they have the Jaguars and the Texans in their division? It is kind of nice. Was there a bet we could have made preseason that both the Colts and the Titans make the playoffs? I bet that, that might have been the best bet of all. Yeah, that would have been a pretty nice parlay. I mean, but it's it was a lock. They play each of these teams like, oh, who are the Colts playing? Oh, big surprise, the Jaguars again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, they're going to probably make the playoffs unless something crazy happens. Yeah, while I was researching for this show, I actually, when I went through the Titans games, I couldn't believe their opponents. It was, yeah. It's, it was a really We're idiots. A soft schedule. We should, that should have been like our number yeah. one recommendation before the season. Just play that two-team parlay. Colts, Titans to make the playoffs. Done. Yeah, so the the Colts at the Jaguars are probably going to win that game, and then the Titans at the Texans probably going to win that game. So most likely we see both those teams in the playoffs unless some funny business happens. But again, even if the Colts lose, they're not actually out of it. There's multiple avenues where they can lose and still make the playoffs, but they basically control their own destiny. So uh, I think the the most interesting one is that that Sunday night game, though, where it's, Chargers at the Raiders. I am as a I mean I'm a big Charger fan, so obviously looking forward to that. But I think the playoff implications are so interesting where we have I want for Eckler, we gotta get it for Eckler, man. Friend of the show. Yeah. I I the Chargers are gonna win that game. I actually I put some money on the Chargers. I'm I'm already just their roster is so good. What they did against the Chiefs where everything went wrong and they still hung with them and lost in overtime. When you have like a Donald Parham catches the touchdown and then concusses himself on the way down. We had a few weird penalties there. There were uh, multiple like failed fourth down conversions. There were so many high probability events for the chargers that went wrong and it still went to overtime that this chargers team is they're They're pretty filthy. The Raiders, they, everyone's allowed a fluky loss here or there. The, the bills lost to the Jaguars, bro. <laughs> and look what they're doing. The Chargers are allowed to lose a game or two. And the Houston Texans are underrated. So this taking care of business at home against the Broncos, 34-13, that was exactly what we wanted. And that's why they're going to beat the Raiders. Yeah, I think we're going to Because they're going to bring that same game to the Raiders. Yeah, I think they're going to be pretty aggressive. Derek Carr just hasn't been the same quarterback as you probably would expect. Losing Ruggs and then losing Waller. Supposedly Waller's going to play in this one. I, I don't think that makes too much of a difference. It's his first game back. He might be on a touch of a snap count. Who knows? Maybe they just go all out. I, th- I think Derek Carr is the best iteration 
of a very particular type of quarterback, the keep it between the hashes game manager with the high completion percentage, the low depth of target, and very few, if any, playoff appearances, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think that there's a whole there's a whole uh, tier of quarterbacks, right? There, there's a whole sort of species that you know a phylum, if you will, <laughs> right? of those types of quarterbacks. The next iteration was Baker Mayfield, and I think now in Miami we're seeing the next iteration of that, which is Tua. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Where it's just, are you going to throw it to the fast guy over the middle, the slot receiver, the tight end down the seam, right? Tua's able to succeed because he has Jalen Waddle over the middle, and he has Gusecki down the seam, and when he tries to force it to Parker, it almost always fails. And the same was true for Derek Carr. He could not ever use Brian Edwards. And Baker Mayfield could not connect at all with Odell Beckham. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's the same disease, right, that these quarterbacks suffer from, which is just an inability to push the ball to the boundary successfully, whether it's because they don't trust their eyes, they don't trust what they're seeing, or... When they do, they misfire and they lose confidence. I think I think they, they spiral and, and just stop throwing it out there. And then defenses that are schemed up correctly and prepared properly, they know what to expect. They pinch in and, and they take some of those throws away. And you never know. Like Tua, this past week, I think that's what happened to him. He just ran into one of the softest secondaries, but they at least knew his tendencies. They flexed those safeties in and pushed up and took away what he wanted to do. Yeah, I think with that Chargers-Vegas game, if the Chargers have an opening touchdown, I think it's game over. Just because the Chargers are a team that's built to pile on points. If you look at their points scored and points allowed, they're both really, really high. The Chargers are like the shootout team this year. Because of their play style, it's super fast-paced. They take it to other teams. And the Raiders, at least now, no more rugs. Waller, maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. This is just early in the season. It looked like they were kind of maybe becoming that team with Carr. It turns out Carr needed literally perfect health across the board and everything to do well. So this current version of the the Raiders with these injuries and what's going on, this is not a team built to come back. So looking at the comments, Cody jumping in, perennial bad spot for New England. It's the heat. I mean, we, we have seen so many... Patriots flame well, wasn't that the the, the, the 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 at the beginning of the season they went to Miami like seven years ago and that was the the, the great wild wildcat game that was the wildcat game mm-hmm. right that was at Miami and it didn't wasn't there a, a Chad Henney 400 yard game there was that um there was that one like six lateral Kenyon Drake score from like three years oh, ago the, what the <laughs> that Kenyon was like three Drake or four game was years at ago. Miami too I think that was oh, Miami. my god <laughs> the Kenyon Drake lateral game. Yeah, we're all- they they are cursed in Miami. The poor Patriots. Oh, these poor Patriots. They're cursed. Mm-hmm. They can't play. They can't win in Miami. And then Cody also mentioned the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. That's going to change this year. What a, what a great stat! That's, I Cody. mean, what a pull that that'll change. So wow. we've had a seven year dry run that ends that ends today. Now, I mean, how lucky are the Colts and the Titans that they get to play? The Texans and the Jaguars every year. It's unfair. 
Well, it's just like it's the... It's unfair. The Raiders are like, bro. So I'm pulling it up. Bro. The, the, right? Like, the, I'm sure that the, the Raiders, when they hang out with Colts, are like, bro. Come, what? Could just switch divisions for a year. This is ridiculous. It's like the Cowboys. So I just checked to confirm. Cowboys undefeated in their division. And that's just such an advantage. When you get right? the Eagles, the football team, the the Giants. Well, the Rams, imagine the Rams and have their, their, their facilities are close to one another in Los Angeles in training camp. So you can imagine the Rams like running into these Cowboys being like, come on, guys. Mm-hmm. Seriously? Seriously? Washington? Really? Really? Yeah, like the, the worst statistical performer in that division at quarterback this year has been Russell Wilson. Quite possibly. I mean, or Jimmy Garoppolo. Are you guys Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know. Maybe Jimmy. Jimmy maybe might be outperforming. Russ. Yeah, the, <laughs> the power of your supporting cast is huge. We're seeing that with Carr, and we're seeing it with Garoppolo. Like, who's better? Right. I think these are similar quarterbacks. They had. They have. They're in the similar phylum. Right. They're in that Baker Mayfield to a uh, area uh, tier uh, prototype. And what makes Jimmy so much better is all the yards after the catch from his from his receivers. Did you see the yards after the catch this past week? Yeah, it's. Did you see Ayuk catch a pass and then just sort of flick his hips, and and the defender caught air just because he did that little hip flick and then he did a little thing where he looked like a squirrel and he's like zigzag and then out of there. And I was like, wait, what? That wasn't even Debo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right? kind of it's like it's like the best yak receiving core of all time, including Kittle, of course. I, I think that's going to be kind of a blueprint that some other teams start to chase. Where I think these teams that feel like they're locked into this capable but unspectacular quarterback, I think a lot of them are going to lean on this 49ers blueprint of strong defense mm. and yak receivers, knowing that you can actually field. Uh, an incredibly difficult team to beat on Sundays where you're just somehow manufacturing eight yards per attempt. I mean, Jimmy G is like towards the top, if not still at the top in yards per attempt this year, maybe Burrow passed him at this point after his past two weeks. But I mean, Jimmy G has been flirting top three yards per attempt all season. And it's because this is a blueprint that works. You just get a accurate enough quarterback surround him with three guys that are running routes within five to six yards of the line of scrimmage. Yak monsters. What if you took Cooper Cup and gave him Brandon Ayuk's yak ability? Mm, I mean, the answer is he'd be Jamar Chase. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I actually got Jamar Chase in a, in a championship yesterday. It was unfortunate. Mm, I, I thought mm. I could sneak it out. I only lost by four. I only lost because KJ Osborne scored the touchdown. That's the team I was competing against. They were flexing Osborne Mm. and uh, Osborne caught the TD. And that's what sunk me is I was putting up a good fight, but it's tough when uh, back end flex KJ Osborne at the back of quarterback goes three fifty and a touchdown. And Jamar is that we're doing on this show, by the way, first mover is that we're doing, we're doing uh, fantasy football, bad beats. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. Is that what this show is now? That's what it's become? It's just, just me me venting about how I, I lost to uh, the most historic rookie receiver performance in NFL history yesterday. So, <laughs> When I meet new people 
especially fantasy football people, sports uh, enthusiasts. And then we, we talk about what we do for a living, whether it's at a party or some sporting event, you know, my daughter, whatever. Inevitably, that's the first thing they want to talk about. Mm-hmm. is uh, what happened in their fantasy football matchup and when the next fantasy football matchup and who they should start and who they should sit, Josh. People really worry about who to start and who to sit. I think it's the great philosophical question about fantasy football is will seasonal leagues predominantly convert to best ball? And I say no. I say no because there's just so much engagement in the content game for fantasy football was starter sit. I could have answered starter stream or sit questions on our Sunday morning show for eight hours. I was scrolling through all the questions because we're on TikTok or on Instagram and we're on YouTube. And it was just, I, I was like, this is incredible. I didn't even get a chance to even open Instagram. I think it's- like, I, and how could I like, I, it's hard for me to keep up even with the super chats from YouTube. I think there's so people are the... just so hungry for guidance on starter sit. I called you Saturday That's night. True. Yeah, we we talked for a little bit because we ought to talk about Barrios versus Marvin Jones, and you said you got to play Barrios, and I said I I said I I captain. Yeah, I think that with the start sits, it I don't know what it is, but even it, it seems like you ask an act an expert for start sit advice. They tell you who to start. You start that person and they go off. Yes. You're going to thank the expert maybe, but also for some reason, it seems like, I mean, it just feels good to win and to know like, you know what, even though the expert told me I was the one that moved him from the bench to the flex. And I think that there's that feeling. I think is just one that a lot of people, especially the casual fantasy gamers. I think that's a lot of what they like is that, they can get these little micro validations by, yeah, I, I started the right. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought too. Yeah, 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 good, yeah. That's what I, I was just wanted to confirm. I just was. That's what I thought. Uh, that's good. Yeah, it's like, who sh- who should I start? Uh, Rash- Rashad Penny or Kanan Wongwu in my flex? And they're like, oh yeah, Penny. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna make sure. Yeah, I just wanna. Uh, and Wong, you're supposed to start. Yeah, just... he's athletic. I went to playerprofiler.com. Well, well. But also, they could come back and blame you if you give them the wrong advice. They're they're happy to 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 uh, cold take you and play the result. And I could do that with you because I needed confirmation that I should be starting Steven Anderson over Tyler Conklin in a start two tight end league that I'm in. And I was like, I think I'm going to start Anderson. And you're like, Yeah, I'd go Anderson. I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay, good. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this could, you know, this is, I'm in a close matchup where he, uh, he has Najee, I have Chubb, it's close. And I was like, it could come down to the fucking Steven Anderson dud costing me. Look at Conklin with that beautiful 9.7 points. If I just knew with some of these fringe tight ends, I could get 9.7 whole fantasy points. I mean, oh my God. Yeah, the, I would love the that. I'd be one. like, I'll, I'll, I'll the bird in the hand all day, Josh. Give me the nine point seven points. So I it's tight end position. Jesus Christ! I talked with so many people this past week. We all kind of agreed like Conklin is kind of where the end lines. You can't start Conklin with the backup quarterback. And it was like within like five minutes of that game, I was like, oh shit, Conklin is the security blanket. It's not Jefferson. Oh you know, no! Whatever, because you mm. know what? Yeah, that's it. I mean, we're just we're fucked. 
we're fucked. If we're at that point, we're fucked. But now I'm not. I'll let you know. Chubb versus Harris. Big, big, uh, big matchup for me this week. I mean, we're about to find Championships out. are on the line. You you need Chubb to outscore Harris, right? Of course. Yeah, I think he will. Mm-hmm. I think he will. I, I think so, too, especially with Hunt being out. Now... Yeah, because th- these are dynasty leagues, and I drafted Chubb in the middle of the first round. Do you remember that season? That was the year of Barkley, but also there was... Beyond Nick Chubb, there was Darius Geis that was getting drafted in the, the first half of the first round. There was Rashad Penny, yeah, there was the- who some people loved. There was Sony Michelle. Mm-hmm. Many had Sony Michelle because he went to the Patriots. They had Sony Michelle ranked ahead of Nick Chubb yeah, the- in Dynasty. And there were a handful of receivers that year that people wanted. So there in in these rookie drafts, if Chubb was the RB4, you could get him at like the sixth pick. So I ended up with some Chubb that year because he just fell to me and he was the guy I was drafting. And I remember the year before that, it was Alvin Kamara was falling to the end of the first round. And I was like, wait, yeah, I think we should go with Kamara here. If, if, if the NFL is going to validate the athleticism and the receiving skills in college with early draft capital, second round draft capital, then you got to push the button on that guy. Yeah, Kamara was so, kind of like he was one of those like new school running backs where very unimpressive rushing stats and teams saw right through that and they said, "You know what? That's not what it takes to win anymore. You don't need the 20 carry a game running back." And sure enough, Kamara's been one of the the two or three most valuable running backs in the NFL every single year, both fantasy and in real life in terms of who do you want out on the field? It's Kamara. And now we're in a place where Chubb and Barkley have similar dynasty values. I would still rather have Barkley for the upside as a receiver, assuming that the offense has to get better. But it, it's, it's now a question of who you would take, mm-hmm. which is just crazy considering Barkley's profile coming out in his first year. It I mean, is. It was... I mean, we're going to get Daniel Jones again next year. So another year of target suppression for Saquon. It's it's tough. Though I guess uh, we'll we'll see what happens with, uh, I believe Baker's fifth-year option got picked up by Cleveland. So maybe he'll take a step forward. Who knows what's going to happen. But yeah, I think Chubb is definitely the, the safer pick at this point, which is kind of crazy considering Saquon has the, the best running back prospect profile ever. So it's what injuries and whatever though team incompetence will do. All right. We're going to talk about the week 18 games. Now we're going to get into it. So we have the Saturday games, Kansas city at Denver, Dallas at Philly. And of course that Sunday night game chargers at Vegas, which means there are, if you did the math, 13 games on the main slate. So we're going to go through these games. A lot of them pretty quickly. There's actually, even though there's 13 games, it's kind of nice that there's only a few actual good games in here that are exciting to stack. So let's just uh, start off. This is basically just kind of like an order of time slot for these games. So at the top, we'll start off with a fun one. It's Bengals at the Browns. Pretty low, 43.5 point game total. That's a theme you'll notice. No 50 point game totals. In fact, there is 
I mean, at the time I put these 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 13 games together, at the time I did this two hours ago, only one game with 45 or more point total. It's Seattle at Arizona. Yeah, that, that we'll talk about that one at the very end. We saved the best for last. It's the only one. No 50-point game totals. That one at least is over 45. So we've got the Bengals at the, the Browns, 43.5 game total. Browns favored by three. So I still think I'd probably take the Bengals plus three. Just Browns are out of the playoffs. But now I'm just, now I'm anxious because, I mean, we'd already talked about this. If the Chiefs win and then the Titans are winning, there's no incentive. But I do think I'm going to have some Joe Burrow stacks. Uh, probably going back to the well with Burrow Chase Higgins. You can mix in a little mix of boy. How could you not? Yuzma, uh, Yuzoma. They have been uh, unbelievably pass-heavy the past two weeks. They were incredibly run-heavy every other week of the season, basically. And what do you know? Their offense has been unbelievable. Maybe the it's got to be one of the, the five to five or so best two-game stretches for an offense of all time. But it, but it is awful to see the offensive coordinator rewarded with a quarterback limping off the field. The franchise limping off the field after turning up the dials on the pass attempts, because that's the reason why. I think they were trying to protect Joe Burrow, knowing that they probably had a playoff team on their hands. So let's make sure that we protect him, and we can certainly win with Joe Mixon running the football. Cool, right? And then finally they feel confident enough to turn up the dials, and then what happens? Two games later, boom, Joe Burrow's limping off the field. It's just you, you hate to see that as someone who wants these teams... To throw more. Yeah. I you'd much rather have it the other way where the the Giants run the ball twenty times as much as they pass the ball, and then it turns out that Mike Lennon hurt his hand. That is a lot more of the the series of events in terms of uh reward based on play calling. That is a little bit more in line with we never root for injuries, but if there was a some type of karma or just rewarding good coaching. Yeah, Bengals very unfortunate. So we'll we'll see what their game plans like. It, it it I think it's basically impossible though to fade Burrow when he's thrown for 400 plus passing yards back to back games, four passing touchdowns back to back games, over 11 yards per attempt both of those games. It's another level. Yeah, he's still less expensive than Rodgers and Brady on DraftKings, so Yeah, I think this is a play where Certainly because of the 300-yard bonus, but also it's not just the 300-yard bonus. It's the fact that the reason why we're playing pocket passers so heavily on DraftKings is that pocket passers generally just have more pass attempts total, and it's easier for their receivers to hit the 100-yard bonus. Yeah. So it's not just that pocket passers have a better ability to hit 300 yards passing it's that their receivers you're stacking them with have a better chance of hitting 100 yards receiving and on DraftKings that's six total points yeah another thing is that uh so I've done some research on this in terms of in-game correlation DraftKings compared to FanDuel where FanDuel's half PPR with no yardage bonuses either yeah is that different story the the quarterback and receivers are actually significantly more correlated in-game on DraftKings compared to FanDuel. So DraftKings, the premier pocket passer platform and the premier double stacking 
platform as well. So it kind of goes hand in hand, both of those. Right. And, and we have a DFS dominator lineup genius with these settings. So when you're in the FanDuel settings, don't set the correlation to high. Set the correlation to low or medium. You're not going to win the Millie Maker on FanDuel with a heavily, heavily correlated lineup. It's probably not going to happen. You need to like hit a rainbow on the river on FanDuel. We know that. And that's typically mobile quarterbacks. So the incentive to play Burrow on FanDuel goes way down. It's much higher on, on DraftKings. Agreed. Next game. Now, we're going to... I'll rifle through these. Matt, stop me if you have any thoughts. But we've already talked about playoff implications. There's five hold-your-nose games coming up. Colts at the Jaguars. 44-point game total. Colts favored by 15 and a half on the road. Yeah. I yeah, believe it. I'm not going to really play much Wentz. I think it's going to be a Taylor game. Even if it's yeah. Wentz, it's not the most consolidated passing game. We've got two tight ends involved. We've got a receiving back involved. Probably not having much exposure here. Well, Taylor. Yeah, uh, right? yeah, Taylor. But in, ter- oh, yeah. in terms of stacking the quarterbacks, very little exposure. High exposure yeah, to no, Taylor. No, not that. You're playing the quarterbacks in that game. Yeah. We're Jonathan Taylor, the the prize jewel there. Yeah. All right. Next. Well, game. You know he's like 270 yards away from 2,000. That is interesting. That's not that crazy. That's not that crazy. You've seen what Derrick Henry's done against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You've seen what Jonathan Taylor can do any given week. That's just one extra long run than he's had on multiple occasions this year. Okay, I pulled it up. Uh, week 17 last year which is kind of like the week 18 of this year. Taylor had 253 rushing yards against Jacksonville. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hello. We're, are we in a parallel universe of, of seasons? We're going right back to it. So, yeah. We can just get, get him 270 yards. Book it. Yeah. Come on. I mean, it's not going to happen, obviously, but it could. Mm-hmm. It could. And the thing is, if he goes over 100 yards in the first half, then they're incentivized to go for that wreck to get him to 2000. That's why I think he's a really, really strong GPP play as well. Is that if things hit right and he has a good first half, he's probably going to have an even better second half because of that yardage incentive to hit the 2K. So Jonathan Taylor smash and GPPs. Next game, hold your nose again. Green Bay at the Lions. 43 and a half game total. The Packers currently are only favored by three. It's because they're the one seed. There's nothing on the line. I mean, Jordan Love is no longer the minimum priced quarterback on DraftKings. He's in the 5K range. You can't you can't play this game. Well, no one's playing any Packers, Josh, unless you want to play fringe receivers, maybe a Marquez Valdez Scantling in a starting role. Maybe. I don't Maybe. even know if he's going to be in a starting role, though, because he's kind of been Who there, Who even too. knows how, it how be, deep it's going to go? Yeah, it could be like uh, Amari Rogers and Equinemius St. Brown. So this is kind of a game where you just have to wait and see. Maybe we get a some kind of free square receiver to free up salary where Green Bay has all backups in. Uh, we'll see if Malik we can, Taylor. Yeah, it could be. Malik Taylor. Yeah, he he's had a couple games, hasn't he? I feel like I remember one time fading Malik Taylor in a showdown DFS tournament last year. And then he had the touchdown. 
I have I have strong uh, memories. It says, uh, I feel like he had a good oh, game. Oh no, 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 no. Taylor has been moved to injured reserve. Oh, okay. All right. I won't be won't be Malik Taylor two years in a row. So no. But hey, you know, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a week late on my injured reserve uh, news feed for the worst receivers in the league. All right. Uh, next game. No, not next game. Bro, you want to you want to talk about Swift and Amon Ra? What about DeAndre Swift? So I, w- I was going to talk about some individual players after, but you know what? We can just we'll just kind of merge it all together. So you're not skipping Swift. Swift ran a ton of routes last week. He just didn't get any carries. So no one's going to be on him. But he came back. He got out of the game alive, healthy. This could be the week they turn back to him. Why not? So he's what? he has he 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 wants to play. This is not a team that's going to be resting DeAndre Swift because they're worried about getting him hurt. He's a running back. They're going to go out there and play him. So Swift, he's 5,900 on DraftKings. Very good price if he gets the full roll. The other guy that's interesting, I I honestly don't even know what to make of this situation. I'm not sure we've seen it before with exactly what's going on. But Amon Ross St. Brown is priced up at 6,800. And... Do you see what? Do you see who he's uh, similar price to? Like he's he's with like AJ Brown, Mike Evans, Metcalf, Higgins. He's the same price as Metcalf. He's within a hundred of Metcalf. It's pretty crazy. So Amon Ross St. Brown, the past five crazy. games, has 12, crazy. 12, 11, 11, 11 targets, twenty five point six DraftKings points a game in that stretch. He's basically been like Devonte Adams or Cooper Cup. In terms of fantasy points per game the last five weeks. So Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, if you're just purely game log watching and looking at those last five weeks, you're getting Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams at 6,800. I, I don't know how well, They're to... also going to rest some of their starters on defense too. Yeah, it, this this is going to be a pretty strange game. So uh, probably but no exposure St. to the Brown court. and Swift are interesting. Yeah, I, they are. I'll probably have no exposure to the quarterbacks for the most part in this game. But if, no, no. if the Packers are truly resting everyone, and if we get a weird Dan Campbell quote of like, Oh, we're going to, we're really going to stick this one out until the end. I could see They've myself been doing that all year. Why is week 18 any different for these teams that have been out of it for five or six weeks? Yeah. I could see myself uh, a couple beers in, Making a couple Goff, Swift, Amon Ross, St. Brown lineups, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. But I, I think no, you're not going to do that. Probably not going to do that. You're but. just going to da- you're just going to single dabble. That's my official DFS term for this. Single dabble in the players. Yeah, you single dabble one player from a particular game. We don't typically like to do that, but if you're going to do it, you drop a Swift in, you drop a St. Brown in. St. Brown ownership's going to be low because the, he's been priced up in with the, the the brand equity players. Yeah, no one's going to play him at 6,800, even though no. he's averaging over 25 fantasy points a game the last five weeks. Doesn't matter. It's, I love this. Yeah. So I actually, that's why it's weird. I can't believe I'm recommending that we're going to have just a random Amon Ross St. Brown in lineups. So there it is. Well, he's going to smash Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle's got the Patriots. Yeah, J.C. Jackson's going to He's going to outproduce over. Tyler Lockett. Maybe. Taylor Lockett could go nuts. I think Russell Wilson could be nuclear this week. Yeah, that's... We'll, we'll get to that game. I think that's, like, truly the only, like, obvious-looking shootout. 
So next one, hold your nose again. It's Bears at the Vikings. There's no playoff implications here. 44.5 game total. Vikings favored by 2.5. Like, I guess we could... So I'll actually relate this game to a trap that we fell into or that I really fell into last year. Last year, week 17, which was like the week 18, I played some Daniel Jones uh, lineups and some Andy Dalton lineups because the Giants and Cowboys played each other. And I thought, you know what? Divisional game, technically both teams are could make the playoffs. There's something on the line here for both of them. And I got suckered into a game I didn't like just because I thought, you know what? Maybe they're going to be motivated. I don't think I'm going to make that same mistake this year. I think this is just a game where ultimately we, we should probably just let this one go. There's a few interesting plays here like Montgomery, Mooney, uh, Jefferson, assuming Cousins is back. Like maybe Dalvin. We're Cook. assuming Fields is going to play. Isn't that the big question? Is Fields going to play? Yeah, I think if Fields plays, he's interesting. He's in the 5K range, 5,400. So it's a great price for for what Fields is, especially when the Vikings are one of the, the five worst uh, defenses when it comes to limiting quarterback fantasy points. So I think Fields is maybe interesting if he plays, but overall, I don't think we should get too excited about this. It would be worth it to add Fields to your GPP portfolio? Fields, Mooney stacks? So I, I think I would consider that. However, with one thing I've talked about a lot with Mike on Big Tilt is that I try and hit the high percentage plays. And that, yeah, I think Fields is like kind of a kind of a high percentage play to hit your 20 fantasy point thresholds. The issue is high percentage plays in terms of constructing an overall lineup. And it's why I didn't have that much Trey Lance and DFS last week. Where, yeah, Trey Lance was high on the upside finder. He 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 like he did just fine in fantasy as expected. But he's tough to construct a lineup with because you're probably not double stacking this guy. And then the game environment's not even the best. So, like, who knows? Like, are the Vikings going to play their starters the whole time? I don't know. Probably, but you're not even guaranteed of that. It's like last week when uh, you got Trey Lance. Okay, you single stack him. Or do you play him naked? I don't know. Do you run it back with Brennan Cooks? Do you not run it back? There's so many lineups. You run it back with a Houston defense? Yeah, there's so many potential lineup slots still open. As opposed to... Last week, if you go, okay, uh, it's it's actually the the stack that I recommended in our player profiler newsletter was Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Daryl Williams on the run back. And right there, you filled four of your nine roster slots. What do you know that, I mean, sure, Higgins wasn't really hitting, but you could still take down a GPP. I saw a lot of people taking, have one kind of dud lineup slot that were taking down GPPs last week. Just because of how crazy the slate was, how many options you had with fourteen games. Well, no, and how well the Burrow Chase stacks. Yeah, before. and then when Chase gets you almost sixty fantasy points, that's basically like yeah. getting a thirty burger from Chase and from Higgins. So that's the type of stuff that I lean towards. It's a higher percentage play where I go if Burrow's going to hit, Chase and Higgins probably hit, and then Daryl Williams is an underpriced bell cow. Throw him in there. That is four lineup slots. A little bit harder to manufacture four good-looking lineup slots out of that game. No, you can't. The question is, who are you going to run it back with? Who's the run back? Who's the run back? And if you're going to play Fields and Robinson or Fields and Mooney, who the fuck is the run back, bro? Yeah, I'm not even and convinced it's like, that Kirk I don't know. I don't one. know how much Justin Jefferson's going to play. Mm-hmm. That's a completely different scenario. 
Like, Justin Jefferson is similar age, same draft class as DeAndre Swift, but I believe that the coaches view them completely differently. The Vikings were just eliminated, so they're going to be thinking more about just preserving the health of the team for the you know final game of the season, where the Lions have been in this survival mode, prove-it mode for weeks, mm-hmm. right? So I don't think and, – and DeAndre Swift is a running back versus a receiver, which are viewed as more fragile – and that you know need a little more you know weekly yearly TLC in the off season need to have you know a, a little more attention from the coaches and the quarterback to make sure they're happy whereas running backs you know they're just viewed as replaceable by a lot of coaches now I don't think they think that DeAndre Swift's replaceable but I just think that the the general mentality if you're sitting like in the GM suite would be to call down and make sure that in the second half, Justin Jefferson's not playing a snap. Whereas I don't think if anyone in the, the front office of Detroit would call down and be like, can't play Swift in the second half. I, I can't see that happening. Oh, yeah. I think uh, Dan Campbell would pull the Antonio Brown. I think he would take his clothes off and uh, walk off the field if he was told that he, he couldn't play his players in the second <laughs> half. <laughs> yeah. No. Next game, another gross well, Spielman one. knows better. Yeah. yeah. We've got the, the football team from Washington at the Giants. 38.5 point game total. Giants plus 6.5. So nearly touchdown favorites on the road for the football team. It's because Jake Fromm will be the quarterback. Oh, Glennon God. getting, I think he's getting hand surgery. Oh. I, I will say that uh, Antonio, ah. Antonio Gibson, if he plays and is activated off the COVID list, which I expect, he is going to crush it. I don't think I can say that about a, a single other player. Maybe you're getting Saquon just getting peppered with targets because Fromm is totally immobile. However, mm. to that I would tell you, what are, what are you really looking at? 50 total yards and 8 targets and no touchdown upside. I, I think Gibson is pretty much the only viable option from this entire game. And it's a lot easier just to play a single player from a single game if it's a running back. Oh yeah, always much right? easier. That's why I always much easier, right? So to 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 drop in a St. Brown is actually going to be a lot harder than dropping in a single Swift or a single Gibson. Yeah, that that that's what I've talked about a lot on these first mover podcasts is that you often like your receivers kind of come to you based on your quarterback and your stacks and then the running backs is basically just rotate them. You've got uh the the 10 guys that project really well that you know are going to get a lot of work decent salary and just you just churn through them so you might have burrow chase higgins in six lineups with six different combinations of running back and uh Kadarius tony is not on the ir he worked out on the side all last week he has a good chance to play and he's averaged 10 and a half targets the last two weeks he started and he operates close to the line of scrimmage so if there was a run back, it would be Kadarius Tony. If there was one, yeah, I'm looking like right now. So Tony, yeah, decent price, forty five hundred on DraftKings. He's priced up enough that no one will play him. I can see it. I think the issue is that if Elijah Moore plays at forty seven hundred, I'll probably even in a tougher matchup just pivot. If I'm doing a, if I have sure. the forty five hundred salary, but. Tony Tony can be interesting. 
commanding targets at a high rate. So it would be one of the grosser skinny stacks of the year. <laughs> the but not that target. crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. I mean, you're, if you want salary relief, there you go. Next game, it's the Titans at the Texans. 43 game total. Titans favored by 10 and a half on the road. The Titans really need this game. No thank you in DFS. We have just... Tannehill is not a stackable quarterback right now. You should basically play a ton of... Uh, AJ, well, almost said Antonio. ton of A.J. Brown. Maybe you can uh, sneak in Deonta Foreman who just went over 100 rushing yards and gets a really beatable Houston Texans run defense. Mm. So I think that we've got... I just don't like that it's a road game. Yeah. I don't I don't like it's a road game for Foreman. So we've got... Foreman is one of those running backs you just you really want to start him at home. So we've got A.J. Brown, Little Foreman, and then we've got Brandon Cooks. So there. It is a Dante Foreman revenge game, though. Oh, that is true. Yeah, it's a, the, the long-awaited return... <laughs> Jet Foreman's going to let them know, like, you should never have gotten rid of me post-Achilles, maybe. Well, it, it's interesting that if they get up to a big lead, they they won't be benching Foreman to keep him for the playoffs because Derrick Henry's coming back. That's true, yeah. If there was ever a, a starting running back that they could really just run into the ground, and it's a playoff team, Deontay Foreman and the Titans. Because there you go. Derrick I think Henry, I just talked myself into playing some Foreman. Yeah, Henry's supposedly getting activated off IR, so good for the big dog and really good for the Titans, I think. Even though the I saw a stat, the, the Titans running backs have basically combined for the same amount of carries per game as Henry, for the same yards per carry as Henry. So, Josh, Josh, this is not a running backs don't matter program. I will say, though... Come on, running backs matter on the margins, especially when they're catching passes. But you're saying that the running backs that don't catch a lot of passes, that they don't matter. So That hurts people's feelings, Josh! So what I will say that the stat didn't include, Derrick Henry does shift the defense. So when, when Derrick Henry's on the field, Tannehill's seeing a ton of stacked boxes, which is good for him. Helps him pass if there's more linebackers. Well, Tannehill out there. has struggled without Henry. So Henry, I actually do think he he truly is one of the running backs that greatly matters, just because of how the defense plays Derrick Henry and what it opens up for Ryan Tannehill. Just just easy on the greatly. Just there's there's some matters. It, it matters somewhat. <laughs> somewhat, a little bit maybe. Next game. Uh, they're currently playing right now. I haven't looked to see what the score is. We we can look in a little bit. It's the wait. They, wait, the game's already started. How long has this show been going on? Uh, we've been going. We're chugging at like an hour twenty. So we're we're almost done. So we've got the Steelers at the Ravens. Playoff implications abound. These are actually two teams like scraping and clawing to maybe make the playoffs. This is your if you want the signature sneaky shootout on this slate. Here it is. Steelers at Ravens. Very consolidated offenses for DFS. We know who to stack with the Steelers. We know who to stack with the Ravens. Both teams really want to make the playoffs. Both defenses so bad against the pass. 42-point game total. Minus 4.5 for the Ravens. I would tell you to take that over. This just feels like the kind of game where uh, both teams probably still alive somewhat. I mean, I guess the, the Steelers could lose tonight kiss it all goodbye 
Though I still think the Steelers and that Steeler mentality would at the very least try and put up a good fight to play spoiler against the Ravens for Big Ben's last game, divisional rival. I'm excited I mean, about this The Ravens one. have a 2% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, for the Ravens to make the playoffs, they basically need to win and then have like six teams lose. Yeah, it's it's not about that. And then they get the seven. For me, (laughs) I still think this is an interesting game in that it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger on the road in his final career game. He wants to perform well and go out not embarrassed. So he's just trying to not embarrass himself out there. I think he's going to work hard to not embarrass himself. So I like I like Roethlisberger this week. I mean, it's like, oh, you hate the Steelers. I think that in this particular case, Roethlisberger stacks actually make some sense. But in cash games, Tyler Huntley, man, I mean, that guy has a high floor. And because the Ravens are essentially eliminated, I don't think Lamar Jackson's going to play. So I think this is great for Huntley. Yeah, Lamar, incredible salary if he plays at 7000 on DraftKings. I think it's going to be Huntley as well, who's 5700 And then Big Ben's 5400 We've seen it a few times this year. Big Ben probably not going to hit, but when he hits, you already know Deontay Johnson's coming with him and mm-hmm. probably one of Najee Harris, Claypool, or Fryermuth. So it's kind of nice that you just have these four options, Harris, Deontay, Claypool, Fryermuth. And then with the Ravens, you have three options. It's really hard to find tight ends this week. So Fryermuth is interesting. Fryermuth might be that firewall tight end where you... you could consider going all the way down to 4.6 K on DraftKings, but you really would be hard pressed to find an option below that, that you could trust. Fryer though, we know he's getting targets. He's super efficient. And yeah, you know, I like him this week. Yeah, me too. 4,600. Uh, we're recording right as Monday football starting. So maybe this is going to be just be like an all time bad, bad take, but I made some showdown lineups. I have a couple with Fryer as the captain. Casey, in case he has a couple touchdowns, you never know. You did, hey, we'll see how that. I didn't do that all the time. Dalton Schultz can do it. Dawson Knox can do it. Of course, Fryermuth can do it. We've already seen him do it a couple times this year, where he's had a surprisingly big game as a rookie tight yeah. end. So yeah, I like I like Fryermuth for tournaments. Absolutely, he's going to be out there. He's going to be playing the whole game. Yeah, as will uh, Huntley, and, and the beauty is. If you don't play Andrews, you can play Fryermuth. And if you play Andrews, then you can play Deontay Johnson. It's just, a, like you said, it's a very easy-to-stack game and construct lineups with these quarterbacks, especially because they're so cheap, too. Yeah, what's nice so is... There's, there's so many great things about focusing on this game in your tournament portfolio. Yeah, and I mean, yes, there's pretty much no chance the Ravens are in the playoffs. However, it is an early game on the slate. So they're they're probably going to have all their starters out there. You just never know. So I'm expecting Marquise Brown, Bateman, and obviously Mark Andrews to be in my my rotation with Tyler Huntley. So just really nice that it's Big Ben with four guys, Tyler Huntley with three guys. You know what to do with this game. Uh, I'm probably going to do some some double stacks with some double runbacks in this one. And the reason for that... Bateman, Bateman sub 5K. Yes. Hey. 10 targets. And you you might be saying, like, how can you have a double stack potentially with double runbacks in a game with a 42-point game total? It's because I think it's going to hit over A. And B, there is only one game above 45 points. This is such a fragile slate. If any of these games has 60 total points scored, it could just break the slate 
with at least what Vegas is projecting. So there, there's just yeah, kind of all like those a low players are salary clear. savers too, except Andrews and Harris and Johnson. Ben's a salary saver. Huntley's a salary saver. Bateman's a salary saver. Fryermuth's a salary saver. Yeah, I like this game. Now we're going to go through the the gross games again for a little while before we finish with two pretty fun ones. The next one. Oh, 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 oh hold on. Claypool's a salary saver. 5.1K for Claypool. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah, he's in, he's in the show oh, notes. Shit. I forgot about that. Oh, shit, Josh. Yeah, Claypool was my... He was actually my firewall when I was making the show sheet in terms of receivers I was interested in. There was no oh, one below that. This has to be a Claypool was... game. The the game they're eliminated. It doesn't matter. Like he goes out and scores three <laughs> touchdowns. It, perfect, right? That would just be perfect. I mean, I'm. We're all waiting for our annual four Claypool touchdown game. So yes, it hasn't happened yet. If it doesn't happen tonight, I guess it's going to happen week eighteen. Next game. Oh. Jets at the Bills. 43 and a half game total. As we mentioned earlier on, the Bills have so much to play for. Their range of outcomes spans from, it seems like the two to the, maybe even the sixth seed. So 43 and a half game total. The It's all on the Bills. They're favored by 17 at home. You're going to be wanting to double stack Josh Allen, especially when he just had a terrible game against the Falcons, who are a brutal defense you know he's going to want to have a nice bounce back game. The the Jets just like salted away what looked like a victory against the the injured and acting out Buccaneers team. So I think uh, I mean Brady passed for a ton of yards in that one. I think Josh Allen's going to pass for 350 against him. He's got the rushing upside as well. Singletary is now a bell cow, which is like one of the weirder things that we've seen in 2021. Is that really? Singletary? You think that's weird? Sony Michelle and Rashad Penny got new knees, and no one told us. That's true. I think what I'm Daryl Williams is outperformed Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I think what what's crazy <laughs> to me about Singletary is that his profile screams unathletic Philip Lindsay, and yet here we are. Th- th- that's what he is. He just happens to be on the right team at the right time, and the primary back in these games where they're just salting away a lead against the Falcons. He didn't perform super efficiently. He, that's he, he's not impressive in any way, except that he's in the exact right situation, but they're absolutely a threat to go and draft a running back on day one or two. Probably not day one. Probably not. You never one. know. Not- but I, I, their, their, their office is analytically sound. Mm-hmm. They could absolutely draft a, a running back it's one of the few needs that the team has left. Yeah, this is roster back. is you could, so you could see him, You could see him drafting a running back, so I would absolutely be preparing to put Singletary on the block in Dynasty. Agreed. All right, Josh Allen, double stacks. You can even stack him with Singletary. Next game, Patriots at the Dolphins. 40-point game total. Patriots favored by 6.5. I'm assuming that's going to hit the mm. touchdown and get to plus seven soon. Patriots, they really need this win. They're tough to stack. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna play some Patriots running backs. I do like Ramondre Stevenson at 5900, considering Damian Harris once again left the game early with a hamstring injury. If we get Bell Cow Dam or Bell Cow Ramondre Stevenson, what, who was it? It was the Browns game where Ramondre had like 30 fantasy points as the lead back. That's very much in play. 
in this one against Miami. So I like Ramondre Stevenson. Don't actually like anybody on the Dolphins just because while I really like Jalen Waddle, he's going up against JC Jackson. So it's, it's kind of like the strength against strength. It's a low game total. The Patriots are a pretty smothering defense. There's so many other plays when it's a 13 game slate that I think the only guy that I'm really going to have fully in my rotation would be Ramondre at running back. It has to be Ramondre. This is teeing up to be a Ramondre game. They've already had Damian Harris leave the game with a, a lower body leg injury aggravation like twice this year. You've seen him limping off the field or trying to limp back in and they're pulling him back out. Now they've made the playoffs. Why on earth would they try to run this guy out there this week? It doesn't make any sense. And especially for tournaments, he's like 50-50 to limp off the field again if he does play. Yeah, it's almost better in and some Ramondre ways. And Ramondre Stevenson had that one week where he was the bell cow and everyone was playing him, but it happened to be the Bills, and he went under eight fantasy points. So in that one game where he had, what, 25 carries? He disappointed. He dudded out. So that if, if he doesn't have that big performance that's not against the Jaguars on his resume, right? He came in in the second half, and he got the two touchdowns, but he doesn't have a performance where people were playing him and he delivered yet Yeah, so I'm looking, so I, I was like... No, he so he did have one week. I was gonna say I thought he had the week against Cleveland. That was kind of a weird week. I don't remember if he was popular, but that game he had twenty carries, a hundred yards, two touchdowns, five targets, four catches, fourteen yards, thirty point four DraftKings points. So I don't know if Harris was in that game or not, but that is the type of ceiling that we're talking about with Ramondre, where the the guy had a hundred yards, two touchdowns. It's a good offense. Miami's defense is fine, but they're not playing for anything other than uh, just trying to be spoilers. So I like Ramondre. Also, before we get to the next game, breaking news, Matt, this is going to be music to your ears. So first ooh, off, ooh. so far in this game, it's 0-0, 10 minutes in. Baker Mayfield, six attempts, one completion, 20 mm. yards. Not great. Mm. The Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, completing two-thirds of his passes. It's amazing. Four completions out of six attempts for eight yards. The final home game of his career. And he's currently averaging just over one yard per attempt. How did I forget about the Stevenson game at home against Cleveland? What a game he had. He had five targets in that game. Yeah, he won me a lot of money that week. So that's why I remembered that. I didn't know which week it was, but I remembered there was a Cleveland game. Where, oh, the chalk Stevenson game against Cleveland is what, yes, he's going to be so chalky. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think in terms of chalk, Montgomery at 6 I was trying to talk myself into a scenario where people might not play him as much, but everyone knows that the Bills are impossible to score fantasy points against. So of course, he's not going to perform in that game. And then the other game he started, holy shit. Yeah, Ramondre is just a great play. I think even if Harris plays, Ramondre at fifty nine hundred. Want this is the case we always talk about. Why you want to play Madison when Cook is active? Because it'll chase people off these guys. Of course you want Harris active. You want to, you're be, we're begging New England to activate Harris. The the best 
what I hope happens is that they keep him active and just don't give him any carries. It's like uh, the the Michelle Henderson thing. Remember, there was a few weeks ago where Henderson like didn't practice all week, and they're like, "Oh, he's active on game day." We played a yeah, ton of Michelle. Activate him on game day because why not? Henderson plays no snaps. That's the hope. So you hope against hope that Harris is active. Otherwise, it's like okay, yeah, all right. Everyone pencil in everyone else. Write in everyone else because we know Stevenson's in there. So while we're on it, we're going to cheat with a couple running backs from future games. So the one thing that gives me hope that not too many people will play Ramondre, maybe he's 5,900 on DraftKings, is that we've got everyone's basically in that range. We've got Elijah Mitchell, 6K at the Rams. Sony Michelle, 6K versus the Niners. Chase Edmonds, 5,800. Swift, 5,900. Gibson, 5,800. So there's just a ton within a $200. There's what? That is six pretty viable options. Oh, and Singletary at 6K. We've got seven viable running backs that are going to be in my rotation for sure within $200 of each other. So you know what? There is hope. As I'm thinking it through more, I think Ramondre, he's going to be popular, but I actually... Don't think he's going to be fully chalk just because for some reason that price range this week has seven very strong options. Next game, the Panthers at the Buccaneers, 42 and a half point game total. The Buccaneers, like you mentioned earlier, they're only favored by eight. Now, with no more Antonio Brown, no Godwin, it feels like the Brady Evans Gronk stack falls in your lap. Maybe we throw Keyshawn Vaughn in there. He's a pass catcher. I don't know what's going on with Ronald Jones, but uh, the one week I'm on Ronald Jones, dude, is of course when <laughs> like it's not nothing's more Ronald Jones than chalk Ronald Jones failing was just that is I didn't even have the heart to victory lap it honestly you, you can't in that situation. I heard that he he left the game it's tough they're waiting on the MRI and his ankle you know I wasn't gonna victory lap Ronald I've had enough like there's no no one needs to dance around Ronald Jones and his failures it's it's self-evident at this point and you know i said Keyshawn vaughn's a better player than ronald jones but i think ronald jones would have had a fine game uh had he not got hurt but uh, now with the ankle injury i mean dude <laughs> mri mri he's going in for an mri he's not gonna play nice. when's the last time a guy went in for an mri and then played yeah, I was gonna say I think it's only the quarterback can get the 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 in in season weekly MRI and play that weekend. That's right. If they're going to give a, a running back an MRI, it's, no, it's the quarterback is the he's only almost time. dead. Yeah, yeah. When the running back gets the MRI, he's Ronald Jones is maybe showing up again in the playoffs. So then we have Keyshawn Vaughn chalk. So Keyshawn Vaughn is fifty three hundred. That is a who'd you rather play, Ramadre Stevenson or Keyshawn Vaughn? It, oof, that is so tough. So I, I think right? that 5.3 K you're saving 600 by playing Vaughn. Vaughn's a better receiver than Stevenson. And it's a much better, much. It's a higher likelihood that Tampa's playing with a lead in the second half. And Vaughn's more explosive. Yeah. I think, I think it's pretty neck and neck. So I, what I like about Ramondre is that we've we've seen him handle the high volume and do well multiple times this year. Panthers are also a decent defense. But again, I think the Buccaneers are going to have a lead. They can lean on Vaughn if they want to. 
I think he's a great play. I think you can stack him with Brady. So I think it's kind of like Brady Evans Gronk is the main stack. You can mix in Vaughn Evans or Vaughn Gronk stacks. There's always Perriman and then I don't know how to say the guy's name. Cyril. 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 Cyril Grayson. Cyril Grayson. Cyril. I think I think Cyril Grayson. Yeah, Cyril Grayson. Listen, can we not overthink this? It's the it's the Gronk show. This is the Gronk show, bro. There's no Brown, there's no Godwin, and Gronk's coming off a big target game, which proves that he's healthy. Let's go. Yeah, and also let's not overthink this. This is this is Gronk should be chalk. Yeah, what's nice is that Evans hasn't been a target hog in years. It's been like four years since we saw the the hundred eighty target Mike Evans. So you definitely I mean, want Gronk in there. With last Brady. five weeks, eight, nine, eleven, two, and then ten targets. Bro. You got to play some Gronk. Some. Some Gronk? Lots of Gronk. How could you not play maximum Gronk? I mean, he's 1,200 less on DraftKings than Mark Andrews. He's been a hell of a lot more consistent than George Kittle. Kyle Pitts is questionable. And then you're down to Dawson Knox. If you're at Dawson Knox, you might as well go to Fryermuth. Yeah. A lot of Gronk. Next game. A lot of Gronk. Next game is gross. We're going to skim through it. It is. There's technically playoff implications. It's the Saints at the Falcons. 40-point game total. The the Falcons are four-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. The Saints, they really need this win. I mean, the Saints, this is a toss-up game. So what the reason I will not be playing a lot of this game, even though it's maybe a motivated Saints team, is it's kind of what we talked about with, like, Trey Lance. Like, what are you going to do stack-wise? All right. What about Taysom Hill, though? Taysom so, Hill could have a top five week. So you put Taysom Hill in your lineup. And what worries me is I think Taysom Hill is actually going to have a pretty incredible game. I think he's a I strong... I think he's a top five play this week. You could play him naked, but I just don't even... Maybe Marquez Callaway, but who's the run back? Kyle Pitts is questionable, and it was a hamstring injury. So he's not if play. a guy comes out of the game and doesn't return is questionable and is on a team that's eliminated from the playoffs and he's their star draft pick, why would they ever play him? Yeah, I think Taysom Hill's a good cash play. He's 6,200 on DraftKings. Tournaments, it's tough. What do you go? Him and Yeah, I mean, cash game, you're looking at Huntley or Hill this week. Yeah. It, but, 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 if Pitts misses, then that opens up Hayden Hurst. But Hayden Hurst's on the COVID list. Yeah, and I... I'm not super familiar with the the Falcons tight end depth chart beyond Hayden Hurst, but I'm probably just if Pitts misses, I think Gage then becomes the kind of play that you can sneak in a couple places. Who's just going to get a ton of targets against a Saints secondary that has been fairly beatable for fantasy? But what about stacking Camara with Hill? So that I think that is a really good for cash games. I think you go Taysom Camara. Kamara is not super expensive. Mm. He's 8,300, which is expensive for the slate, but for what you're getting with Kamara, it's not that much. And the Falcons defense is really bad and the Saints need this game and the Falcons don't. So I think that's kind of like the cash game way to go. If you want Taysom as your cash quarterback, I think that. But also what about in tournaments though? Can't, can't he get there with dump offs from Hill? I mean, he scored a receiving touchdown last week. That's how he got there. So, yes, I think Taysom Kamara can get there in a tournament. My issue is you can't double stack Hill, most likely. 
And I no. generally prefer quarterbacks I can double stack because then that's just one position less that I have to worry about. And you hate Error. the run back because you're not super excited about Gage. No, it's like, I guess, Gage. And you might take the value on Hurst, but come on. And Cordell Patterson at this point is just not, he's not really playable in DFS. The role is so bad. I've been talking about it for weeks now. Cordell Patterson basically lost his receiving role. Like I'm looking another two target game last week. What happened? He's no longer running the routes. He's basically a grinder back on a bad offense going up against a top five run defense. Cordell Patterson is not a good play. He's still priced up at 6,400. It's basically gauge or bust. Bad game. We do have two good games, though, to finish on. So one of them, the Niners at the Rams, 44-point game total. Rams favored by five. And it seems like it's probably going to be Lance, though. I mean, maybe Jimmy G makes a miraculous thumb thumb recovery or whatever whatever finger. He had the, the chipped bone in. But I think was this, it this one? Was it this finger? It, it very well could have been. Yeah, I I think I I'm know. just gonna play some Stafford, and just cross my fingers that he gets out of whatever this slump is that he's been in. So I'm gonna double stack Stafford. I think you have four great options with Michelle. And, and remember, we have the the San Francisco 49ers defensive backs going on the COVID list. That's true. It's all shaping up for maybe it's the get right game. I thought last week would be the get right game against the Ravens. Apparently not. Maybe it's the Niners who have, even if their cornerbacks were healthy, that is their weak point of their defense is their secondary. They're strong against the run. So I really like Stafford. You throw in two of Michelle, Cup, OBJ, and Van Jefferson. You're- Did you see that Cup uh, hurt you last week? Yeah, it's very good. Right? I mean, the guy goes out there and has an impressive 95 yards and a touchdown, and because his salary is 9.5K, he was an albatross player. Oh, I love it. Yeah, he burned people. Yet, if we look at what's on the line That's for him... It's a good game, dude! He He's going up against history. I mean, he's trying to... Is he going to be the first 2,000-yard receiver? Is he going to pass Calvin Johnson? Right now, I'm looking. He is at 1,829 yards I mean, they could just force feed him 171 receiving yards. It is a it would be pretty fun to be the first 2,000 yard receiver. But they have something to play for. They have something. To play. They're not just gonna create this game plan around getting the ball to Cooper Cup. They they win first. I agree, but I think them winning is getting the ball to Cooper Cup. He is their best player on offense. Sure. So, but Beckham's 5.8k. Yeah, I was going to say that what I like about the the Stafford Cup is that you can then drop to OBJ as your second stacking partner and that he's just like in the 5K range. And that if you want to get off Cup, now suddenly you can cram in Jonathan Taylor into your Stafford lineup. So I think if you want Stafford Taylor, you're probably not going Cup. Then you go like Michelle OBJ or something and assume that Cup has another like 8 for 90 and no touchdown. And if you're getting 17 points when he's 9,700, that is is not paying the bills. So, did you see Van Jefferson was benched mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter? Yeah, that, for scournecked. I actually don't even notice. I was I, I I've heard it pronounced differently than that, but I can't do it because I don't know. It's like scr- well, I, I don't know. I don't have it up. I want to. It's it like scoronic or something, or I feel like it rhymed with ironic. 
when they oh, pronounce it. Oh, the- I thought it was Scourneck. It's Scouronic. I think it's Scouronic or Scouronic. Sco- Scouronic. No, would make sense. No, Scouronic would make it like chronic. It, it it rhymes with gin and tonic. I know that. Scouronic. But I don't know how right. to say okay, the first Scouronic, like scrotum. Yeah, he's not very good, but I mean, it's not like Van Jefferson's a world beater. I like Van Jefferson. I was disappointed to see Van Jefferson not perform as well. He's got the touchdown. He bailed us out with a touchdown. As it turned out, you got more value playing Stafford with Jefferson and and Beckham than you did playing him with Cup last week, though it didn't matter because anyone that played Stafford was crushed by Burrow Chase Stacks anyway. Who cares? It was interesting. So Cup was super priced up last week. He was chalk. And then, I mean... I'm, Wait, Cup was chalk at 9.5K? Everyone was playing Cup just because of how consistent he's been. So I thought, I'm I'm a follower. I'm going to play some, some chalk Cup. But I, <laughs> I mixed in a decent amount of Stafford double stacks that didn't have Cup. And, I mean, it didn't work out. But I think that's kind of the right process where... Like it's really tough to fully fade a guy like Cup when he's just been so consistent with such a high ceiling. But I think that especially if you're well, making, Adams also wasn't on the slate. Yeah, that was another thing was that it was basically the only two guys at the top. It was JT and Cup. So my lineups were either just like a ton of semi studs or I had a Cup or a, a Taylor in my lineup. I tried to make a lineup with Cup and Taylor. It didn't work out. It's tough to get two guys flirting with 10K in your in your lineup at once. It's really nice, though. If Quan Williams is out, who's a decent slot corner, I mean, it will be really nice for Cooper Cup. It would be incredible. I, I really think and he's going to... And they're at... They're, they, they have the weather, too, whereas some of these games, like Chase is at Cleveland, right? So those Bengals receivers are at Cleveland. We don't know exactly what the weather's going to look like, but it could be bad. There's been a history of bad weather in January in Cleveland. So... You know, there's some uncertainty there with the weather in Baltimore, with the weather in Buffalo. Another right? thing is that not only, especially for PPR like DraftKings, that kind of platform, Cup is 11 catches away from Thomas's 149 catch record. So if he if Adams won't even play, yeah, there, there's really no receiver that's in such a crazy smash matchup where the team yeah. has something to play for. So that's wow. what I like. About I actually Cup, think that- no, no. This is nice. I think Cup is much more playable this week at nine point seven k. He's a better play than he was last week at nine point five k. But we'll see how the DFS grinders react to him not getting there last week as chalk, and so we may have lower ownership this week. I I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see how it shakes out. But I could see that happening. And then I think on the other side, my favorite way to play this game is the Stafford double stack. And then just because we're, there's just such a drought of good games on the slate with high totals, two competent offenses, I like just the full onslaught, a Stafford double stack, and then run it back with Elijah Mitchell and Ayuk, Ayuk. Debo, or Kittle. Yes. I think you throw yes. one of those in. Now, yes, super correlated, five yes. of your nine spots are taken care of. You only have four decisions. And the nice thing is on DraftKings, 300 plus yards for Stafford gives you the bonus with three, maybe 100 yards each for Beckham and Cooper Cup. Beckham's coming off a, a, you know consecutive low yardage games, but he's not a low yardage receiver and Cooper Cup still plays the slot. So I like Beckham this week. I like this game. 
Love Ayuk. Oh, did you see the member of the hip thing he did where he, he did the, the thing with the, the he just switch, switch, you know, swiveled his hips out of the way. Oh my God. So I think if I'm ranking games, my third favorite game of the week is that, that Pittsburgh Ravens game. Second favorite game of the week would be this 49ers Rams game that we talked about. And then I'm not going to, this probably isn't surprising anyone who's looked at the games. My, my favorite game, I'm going to have to have a good amount of exposure like everyone else, just because the, the one game that's really shaping up is like the marquee event is going to be this final one Seahawks at the Cardinals. I know the Seahawks have nothing to play for, but is this Russ's last game in Seattle? I don't know. We just saw him. Can with- I just list the receivers around Brandon Ayuk in the player pool? He's surrounded by Russell Gage, Tyler Boyd, KJ Osborne, Jarvis Landry, AJ Green. Yeah, that's that sounds like Ayuk has a little more, if not a lot more upside than basically everyone there. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, he's in a nice room. Because you're paying up for cop, you have to make sacrifices. That means playing Ayuk over Debo. Yeah, you can go Ayuk so means- and Mitchell. Mitchell's 6K. It's, a, it's pretty affordable. Yes, that's the move. That is the move. And then you, you don't... Maybe you could even afford Gronk with that configuration. Oh, baby. Yeah, it sounds like... You're a, not playing Kittle. Play Gronk. So you might be thinking, like, Seahawks, what are they going to play for? Well, last week they had nothing to play for, and they, they yesterday they put up... Uh, was it 51? I want to say it was 51 points against the Lions. Russ had four touchdowns. I know Penny had two touchdowns. Seattle, for some reason, they really just want to be annoying. The other reason is that it's a divisional (laughs) opponent, so you know that they don't want the Cardinals to be let off easy. I just really like this game because you can stack Russ, you can stack Kyler. 48-point game total. Cardinals favored by 6.5. And, And, I mean, I'm going to... I don't think this is this is gonna be a hot take at all, but like I can already see right now, Kyler Murray is going to be my most played quarterback by a good amount on this slate. It it's a it's a high game total. Well, definitely it, on FanDuel. There's so yeah, especially on FanDuel. Like there's there's so much to play for for the Cardinals, where this range of outcomes, like I mentioned before, they can be anywhere from the two to the five seed in the playoffs. This is the the marquee game to stack. Kyler double stacks with Edmonds. You can mix in Kirk. You could mix in kind of dusty AJ Green. The guy that I really like is double stacking partner is Zach Ertz, who has had 11, 13, and 9 targets in his past three games. Ertz, he, he's most of these weeks now, he's running more routes than any of the receivers. He's getting more targets than the receivers. He's 5,300. That's a really nice price tag for Zach Ertz. So definitely Kyler. A lot of them with Ertz and then Edmonds, Kirk, maybe a little A.J. Green. It's a little more consolidated. It's not as good of an offense without Hopkins, but it does make it more consolidated in terms of who's getting the usage. And I doubt we're going to see another, what was it, Antoine Wesley two-touchdown game from yesterday. That's probably not going to happen again. So Kyler will be, I expect, most likely he will be more stack-friendly for DFS than two short touchdowns to Antoine Wesley. So this is the, the this is the game to target. I have a question. If you were setting up a lineup, let's say I was setting up a lineup and uh, really wanted to play Gronk, but really the only way to get Gronk in there was to also play Keyshawn Vaughn. 
would you play two players not in your primary stack from the same game and not have a skinny run back? That's a great question. And that's actually how I took down a Yahoo tournament a few weeks ago was I had Fournette and Gronk in my lineup. I had a Stafford double stack and I didn't have a run back. And then I had two Buccaneers players. I generally don't like to do like two receivers because at that point, like if you're just playing two pass catchers, you probably just, you should have played that quarterback. So like, I don't really like doing like a, like Evans Gronk, not in a Brady lineup is not something I'm going to do. But I like the idea of going like, like I went with Fournette Gronk. Fournette has a couple rushing touchdowns. Gronk has the receiving touchdown. They both get there, but Brady is not quite the most optimal play that week because of the running back touchdowns. I think Vaughn Gronk is a really nice one to have where we, we think there's going to be a lot of points on the Buccaneers side. And you think Vaughn gets one or two rushing touchdowns. And then Brady's uh, Brady's attention is hyper-focused on Gronk. And Brady has 230, 250 passing yards, but Gronk has 120. Mm. And Gronk gets there. So I would say that's very viable and that I've actually taken down tournaments with that exact strategy, with this exact team already this season. Unfortunately, though, you can't go Stafford with Cup and Beckham and then have a run back with multiple 49ers that we want to play and still afford Gronkowski. The math doesn't work, unfortunately. Unless you have a cheap wide receiver that we could play at, you know, sub 4K, then it would work. Yeah, so I think... Do we have anybody? Are there any receivers on here? Alameda Zacchaeus? So I kind of, like, left that part off. I didn't I didn't do any cheap receiver research yet because I think that's kind of depend a little bit on... Just kind of figuring out like who's elevated from the practice squad. Amari who, Rogers, pra- maybe? Yeah, like who's practicing and getting the quote-unquote first team reps throughout the week with a team like the Packers where there's nothing to play for. They already got the one seed. Maybe some of these oh, other teams that are out Jawan Winfrey. It could be Javon Winfrey. He had a couple targets last game. Yeah, he's the man Jawan right there. Jawan Winfrey, yes. I said Malik Taylor earlier. Jawan Winfrey is that guy in that Malik Taylor role. Yeah, there it is. Uh, he had he had a six-target game earlier in the season against Arizona. So that's how you afford it. That's if you want to jam in Gronk to you know otherwise premium lineups. You're with premium stacks. You're gonna you're gonna have to go with someone like that. Yeah. So this is actually probably an okay week for that. There's probably gonna be a few more like. Win freeze that open up as we learn who's going to be out on the field running the routes. It's kind of like preseason DFS where you're basically just like, I don't care if he's good or not. Just tell me who's going to be out on the field getting the snaps. And that's kind of how you you fill out the the rest of your lineup this week. Was you throw in the studs and then just try and cut corners elsewhere potentially. Do we have like a uh, firewall defense on DraftKings? So I, it gets really, really thin, really, really fast. Yeah, the the lowest defense that I would feel pretty comfortable playing would be the Giants at 2,800. Just because Washington, we know, is not a great offense to begin with. And what is right. what is a Jake Fromm game going to mean? I mean, I already put money on the under for this game. This, this is going to be a gross game. I don't think there's going to be any offense on either side. And also, like, if, if the Giants are just totally anemic on offense and have 
175 total yards by the end of the game, chances are the football team isn't doing much either. So I think the Giants are kind of a nice 2,800, probably no scoring in that game. Below that, I, I really was not particularly confident in any of these options. I will say, though, at, at tight end, there's always the cheaper guys. I think CJ Uzoma is just like a lock for six targets every week now. He just hasn't had the touchdown recently. He's 3,500. I think you can go a little bit lower than that, even. Uh, I want to say it was uh, Nicole Pruitt is done for the season. The Titans' third string tight end, who actually plays a lot. That could help Ferkser and Swaim potentially in a must-win game for the Titans. Are, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? Ferkser and Swaim? So Ferkser, he's 3,100. He's had a five-target game, a seven-target game, another five-target game this year. I think that on a very strong uh, like team total for the slate, which is the Titans, I think mm. a guy like Ferkser at 3,100 is in play. Where it's just kind of like this this touchdown or bust kind of option. So, but he, he's not even the starter. Technically, Swaim's the starter. They have two tight ends that they play and use. It, it's bleak. The other one would be Brevin. What are we talking about? So the other one would be Brevin Jordan. Is someone that I noted down. Brevin Jordan's the the, the pass catching tight end on the Texans. He's fairly athletic, and he's had multiple games recently with over ten fantasy points at twenty seven hundred. I think that one's more viable, but with Gronk at 6.3K, it's just like, I I can't imagine. I think Hayden Hurst is really the one. Hayden Hurst could be very viable if Pitts doesn't play, and Pitts should not play. Yeah, Hurst, so I'm looking, he's 3,200 on DraftKings. That's a good price. Yeah, that's the, that's the extreme. I don't think you could possibly go below him. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe Ferkser, but come on, man. At least Hurst is going to have the, the primary tight end role to himself, probably, if the, the Falcons aren't just completely irrational with their player health management. Keep keep going for a second. I, my computer's about to die. We're 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 currently plugging in the battery. What's happening? My computer's at three percent. Josh, we should wrap up the show. Can we just go to, go to the hot takes? Can we just go to our, our our you know bold predictions? Let let's get everyone out of here. Can we get out of here? It's been two hours. Let's get out of here. I this think we've covered everything. We've talked about the fringe tight ends to 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 make your lineup. We went to Jawan Winfrey. Isn't that enough? This has basically become like a minor mansion show at this point. This is a we want to nice play Kyler, run. we want to play Russ. Yes. Oh, we got Wheeler in the chat. Deontay Johnson got the touchdown. Hey, hey there we go. All right, Big Ben going out with a bang. Now I'm gonna get you out of here. Week after week, the Bengals were a run-heavy pass team. They flipped the script the past two weeks. It worked out for them. I think they stick with it for a third consecutive week. Joe Burrow, 400 passing yards, four touchdowns. You can book it. Matt, get us out of here. Bring that fire. Russell Wilson, Taysom Hill, they're both top five quarterbacks this week. Taysom Hill, incredible value. Jonathan Taylor gets 283 yards against the Jaguars, goes over 2,000 for the season. 
We love Jonathan Taylor. We love Russell Wilson. I love Allen Robinson. I think that he's had a Hall of Fame career heading into this year. Now we don't know what the hell is going to happen to him. But this is a get-right spot, especially if Andy Dalton plays. And this would be a Matt Nagy move to just make sure you get Dalton in there for your final game. Allen Robinson could be a cube wide receiver one this week for Allen Robinson. I'm not going to say top five. I wanted to go super bold and say top five. We'll say Allen Robinson, wide receiver one, up to wide receiver five. Wait, doesn't make sense. Allen Robinson will finish. Here it is. <laughs> Allen Robinson will finish between wide receiver five and wide receiver 12. We got there. Okay, we finally got that out. That's the bold prediction for Allen Robinson. And the final bold prediction, Houston beats Tennessee and the Chiefs win the AFC.